Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Strength in the Numbers. Really excited to share with you today's guest mentor, Nicole Denholder. Nicole is founder of Next Chapter Ventures. And the fantastic thing about having Nicole on the show is she's really at the intersection connecting female founders and entrepreneurs with finance, the investor community, financial institution, finance professionals and so on. And help. You know, a lot of us are becoming more familiar about the diversity agenda and the impact it can have positively on the bottom line performance of our organizations. So we have an interesting conversation where we go into women and entrepreneurship, some baby steps that can be taken to improve the chances of success there, and also where finance professionals can particularly help in that matter in improving the chances of success. We also discuss how more of us can adjust our lenses to try and help balance the diversity we see in the investments being made as well as business in general. We also list out the challenges and opportunities for females, both entrepreneurs but also female finance professionals as well and go into what I think is a fascinating area that's growing at the moment is femtech. Nicole helps describe for us what it is, the current innovations coming out of it and how we can perhaps get involved. So look, really interesting, fascinating topics in today's conversation. Really want to thank Nicole again for making her time available. She's based over in Hong Kong, so I know it was a very late conversation to have in the day. So really appreciate her doing that. And if you do want to find out more about Nicole, how best to connect with her, detailed timestamp show notes and more, you can find that at sitnshow.com. We also really appreciate it when you recommend the show to your friends and colleagues. You can subscribe on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And I think that's enough for me for now. So without further ado, over to Nicole and the show. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on today. It was great to catch up again, have a conversation and share you with our audience. Now, some of our audience might not be as familiar with your background. So would you mind maybe sharing a quick introduction to your career journey to where you got where you are now? Sure. So I'm Nicole Denholder. I'm the founder of Next Chapter Ventures. And I actually have a career back with PricewaterhouseCoopers, where I worked in the IPO space in the management consulting area. And just based on that, I did that in London, although I'm originally from Australia, did that in London and Hong Kong, where I'm now based. And After that, for a variety of reasons, I decided I wanted to really look at entrepreneurship around female founders, particularly supporting women to access capital. And so what I did is I started with a rewards-based crowdfunding platform. And from that, I've now built a second business, which is called Next Chapter Raise, which is all membership and programs on helping women learn about capital, access to capital, and network with different people. There's a good bit in there, Nicole. Why did you feel the need to go into this space? Was something not being done or was it something could be done better? Yeah, well, there's lots. <laughs> Unfortunately, statistics haven't changed that much over the past years. 
where less than 3% of venture capital goes to women and around 7% of investment partners at VC firms are female. And you're seeing that women start with 50% less capital, they raise slower, they raise less money. So you have some dire statistics there. And then also when you look at some of the lending statistics, it's not as great news for women as well. So when I talk capital, I really talk about crowdfunding, grants, revenue-based financing, angel investment, as well as equity, because building a business is a journey. And you should be looking at, okay, what's my business? What's my revenue goals? You know, parts of profitability, things like this. But you should also be thinking about what kind of sources of external capital could boost me along the way to increase my chances of success. That's like the pinnacle of where finance is trying to get to at the moment, Nicole. There's a lot of accountants and finance professionals listening in and leaders who've got great governance processes. So they know what's going on, what has to happen, what has happened. But it's about that sort of guidance of helping people position themselves for success into the future. I'm still scratching my head as to those statistics because I remember when we started doing the podcast, a really good friend of mine, we were talking about diversity and what we wanted to see in our finance teams. They were a bit more representative of our customer base. And when you're throwing out those numbers, they're so low. There's no way the level of investment is flowing to proportionate elements of our global population, male, female, and so on. But what's stemming the flow there, Nicole? What's perhaps holding it back? And where could our audience start to maybe readjust their lenses to try and help it get a bit more balanced? Yeah, if you just look from an institutional perspective, if you take America as one example, under the Small Businesses Act, up until 1988, women could not get a loan to a certain amount, I think it was 50,000 US dollars without a male guarantee. So you actually have some of this institutional Institutional. bias that's there. So what you're seeing is that women are playing catch up to a degree. So the time frame they're moving in is shorter. There's a lot of research around networks and that men have more established networks and women just don't seem to have those networks. And if you look at two of the main ways that deals are sourced, one is through warm referrals, which means you've got an active network and you're being put in front of money effectively. And if women aren't getting into those warm referral cycles, then they're not in front of VC. So where you sometimes hear this around, we don't meet a lot of women to invest in. It's a fair point. And I think that there's some often isn't discrimination. It's definitely what someone feels and that's fine. Reality is sometimes it's the cycle around getting women in front of investors isn't working. Mm. And that's one of the things that we're trying to look at is how do we provide alternative ways for women to be seen at building amazing companies and having the knowledge around what they need to do to look at their revenue, to look at the capital opportunities, to build fantastic businesses that have growth potential. You just remind me of a story. I remember I had a lady on my team and I remember helping her launch her business. It was a chutney business. She made the most amazing chutney and she made us loads of jars. And I said, you really should set up a business around this. And so she did. I just found, though, that she wasn't thinking big enough for it. Maybe lack of confidence or something. I don't know. Because great product. Or maybe it was just that knowledge. Great companies are never done on one person on their own. It's a network. It's people around you helping to be successful and being pointed in the right direction and so on and helped along the way. But if someone's got a great idea in finance or any part of the business, what's the sort of the best baby steps they can take, Nicole, to improve their chances of success? Yeah, what we often hear, if you look at, certainly from an investment angle, and I think this really applies generally, when you're starting a business, it's looking at product market fit. That is fundamental. Do you understand the problem enough? Do you have the right solution that there is growth opportunities? Because yes, you might get 
50 sales or 100 sales or a small amount of sales. But is there the opportunity to grow that to a point that actually for a business, whether you want external equity or not, you don't always want to live as a startup. What you want to do is build a thriving business that pays bills, gives you a nice lifestyle, has staff. That's a great goal. And then obviously there's opportunities for some companies to go further, be bigger and have that scale. And so part of whatever of those two goals you're targeting part of it's the product market fit from day one and and are you doing the right research and testing of your products or your services and pivoting fast enough to see that they work and that there really is an opportunity here for the business versus oh i'm really interested in this and i love it and let me try it actually you really need to do some testing i heard a great concept there's a lady out here in hong kong diana wu david and she was chatting to me how she used to do decision trees where you're doing your decision Ah. tree making and it's if I can get X customers by Y, then this is a go. If not, then, you know, and I think some of that needs to be done in the early stages. It's tough, particularly if you're really interested in what you're doing. And obviously making some cold, hard decisions is not fun. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good concept that actually a lot of our audience can relate to. And that's where I think they can offer a lot of help to female entrepreneurs and any entrepreneurs as well as that decision trees, the testing of assumptions. But regardless, if the business is there to go and scale or if it's just uh, more of a lifestyle business, product market fit, as you said, is key. It's testing those assumptions. I was only reading an article at the weekend about this as well. A lot of people skim over and if it's done, that's where you see a lot more businesses, female run businesses as well be successful and actually i really enjoyed what you mentioned earlier about off air about the femtech mm. that really excites me because the potential there and the opportunities that might come out you were on a femtech panel today you were saying and what sort of things are you guys covering there Yes, we've done a few things on Femtech and there's an organization called the Femtech Collective that are jointly run out of Australia and the US. I was invited today to talk more around on a panel that was touching the whole weeks around fundraising. So one of the panels today was touching around crowdfunding and angel investment in BC. And it's great because actually I think tech is a huge industry that covers obviously health, but it covers financial instances around women. It covers the family. It covers technology on products that service that market. When we think femtech, I think we think very streamlined on a couple of areas, but it's a huge industry. And we were chatting today how it's really untapped. And there's a lot of women looking into this, but the money's not there yet. The investment money hasn't moved there yet. I'm hopeful it will because some of the businesses coming out are creating phenomenal products. Yeah, some of those businesses that you see coming out there with the move to more flexible working practice i just don't think the male mindset is that tuned in on on how to adapt to some of the social changes that have been happening we're probably too focused on business in our roles astute cfos finance leaders should be scanning the market because it could be the next big digital model or it could be the next level of investment to complement existing products traditional products into newer digital uh, worlds in the femtech what sort of cool uh, innovations are you seeing Yeah, there's one out of Australia that's in the AI space all around related to female specific cancers and building solutions around that. And they've already taken quite a lot of investment. They're on a big growth trajectory. Seeing that, I talked to other organizations and actually there's three fantastic organizations across Asia that are all in the fintech space, looking at the unbanked area, looking a lot, particularly at servicing women in terms of lending or cards or other types of needs. And you're seeing a lot of women actually taking the charge out there. And in that space, they are getting investment because there is an opportunity there. Great point. I'm curious to see how they develop 
Nicole, it sounds like some really cool innovations. And another thing that I feel from our conversations previously that we're perhaps overlooking a bit in the finance world is I think it comes back to assumptions just because someone's maybe financially literate doesn't necessarily mean they're investment literate I think you make a great point when you say that but would you mind maybe expanding that on a bit more for our audience yeah it's a really important topic in extractor is a program where looking fundraising support and so the business models are in place and it's really just an education platform there in terms of chatting about what's involved in due diligence and what would you be talking to lawyers about really building up the knowledge so that those female founders can go out and have an equal seat at the table and be driving discussions so they're part of that storytelling is very important when you're looking for money when we look at talking around the financial information sessions that we run part of that There's, I think, a good understanding of business literacy, financial literacy around business. That might not be in the right format or you might have some questions around that, but ultimately there's an understanding of that. It often just maybe comes down to presentation. Okay, but how do I transition them from that financial literacy into investment literacy? So what's the information investors are looking for in terms of assessing my business outside of some of probably the main indicators? What else are they looking for? What's the best way to present this? Looking at use of funds, your investment ask, the way you're going to manage the cash, different scenarios, all of this understanding multiples and valuation models and all of these that fall out of more in that investment literacy space, I would say that obviously if you're an investor, this is what you do regularly. You understand those concepts and you understand probably some of the tangents that are linked to that. But if you're new to a lot of terminology, you read that and go, okay, is that what it means? You don't realize that maybe, but also it reflects this. There's a lot of missing in either like terminology dictionaries, which we provide. So we talk through a lot of this. So we've got that confidence. I don't want to say confidence, it's knowledge that's pinpointed into a point in time, which is around you've got you how to run your business, run your financials. Now, how do we reflect that into talking to investors? And what are some of the things you might need after investment? Because obviously there's a lot of financial management that has to happen after that. 100%. It was one of the biggest eye-opening experiences in my own career in finance, working in private equity, and then getting a phone call being asked, did I want to repay a 1.8 billion sterling loan? I was just like, what? Repay? <laughs> of course, I didn't realize it was on a revolving facility. Of course, like I understand all this terminology, but that application of that knowledge, maybe we call it wisdom, I didn't have that wisdom at the time. Yeah. Um, so what you're doing is absolutely amazing is shortcutting that path to wisdom because it's all about applied knowledge yes. and uh, can really help move the agenda. So I'm just saying there's a great opportunity there for folks to access your services, but also as finance professionals, sometimes we don't know it all. We might have come across it in our studies, but that application of the knowledge, uh, sometimes we need a bit of help ourselves. So again, Nicole, thanks for pointing out some areas of opportunity there. Now, look, you've been giving us great advice throughout this conversation. I'm curious though, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? It really is just do it. Don't overthink, (laughs) particularly if you're starting business. (laughs) Obviously you have to go out and do a lot of research, but definitely early advice was if you've got a great idea, do it. Time passes fast. And I think the other thing that certainly another piece of advice I've had more recently is reach out more for help. I think it's very easy not to maybe leverage connections or interact with people that when you ask for help, have a good ask there. So that's certainly something I'm trying to improve at. 
Well, I'm actually trying to approve of both of those, Nicole. <laughs> so you're doing better than me. But I would say it's funny doing the podcasting. I find it very easy to ask for help on behalf of other people. So when I reach out to guest mentors like yourself and so on, asking on behalf of an audience to yes. share your insights, not for my not, oh, I'm gaining like vicariously or just by having a chat, I'm gaining so much personally myself. And then... I'm going to stereotype and generalize a bit. I know we're not all like this as finance professionals, but we can be a bit analytical. So (laughs) your advice, just do it. Even if that helps us move something a bit faster, that's going to be so impactful for people. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And then I suppose with any sort of resources, books, documentaries, things you find useful you might want to share with the audience? At the moment, I'm reading a lot of books on just venture capital, understanding different strategies, different insights from different types of investors. It was interesting today, I mentioned I was at this Femtech Collective panel and there were different investors on there and actually they had very different views that they either needed to deploy money or the way that they were researching and contacting founders. There were some differences there and I think that's really oh. useful because when you talk about looking for funding, you need to understand the type of investors that would be right for your business, whether that's industry market driven type of business, B2B, B2C. So I'm deep in those books at the moment. I think next will be probably sales and marketing. You can never, ever learn enough about that. I think everyone needs to find their sweet spot on what works for them. (laughs) That takes time. Yeah, finance here, sales and marketing, there's a little like suck in the breath, but it's actually a really key area. It doesn't necessarily mean we need to be doing it ourselves per se, it's just understanding it. So we know how we like to buy and how we like to be sold and vice versa for other people. We're not all cut off the same cloth. Yeah, what I found interesting is working with the crowdfunding and crowdfunding the platform, working with a, a large number of women running campaigns there crowdfunding is not just a funding exercise it's also a marketing exercise and through that what you're learning is because many businesses when they crowdfund what they're doing is it's effectively pre-sales they're predominantly product-based and they're looking at fundraising so that they can go out and produce the product in larger quantities and then you ship them to whoever's signed up through the campaign and what you find through that is it's often their first business the first product they've developed and the first time they've had to market something and make a sale on it and what you quickly work out is have I defined my customers very clearly where do they live online because particularly crowdfunding is a digital sales exercise you don't want to be in the print you want them to be able to do as few clicks as possible and so what you're going through that is businesses have slightly you do need to really think about where your customer is and what they're thinking about and that's something that I've definitely taken away crowdfunding is very different to a membership model and the way you market those is very different again and so it is so nuanced in terms of thinking through your audience and the delivery of the product the timing of the product and all of that comes across the business right because it's Mm. also intertwined Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So look, we'll put some of the links that you mentioned to those books into the show notes. Nicole, if our audience wish to continue the conversation, where's the best place to connect with you at? So if you go on to nextchapterraise.com is where all the information about our programs are and you can easily contact us through there and that's got links to all of our social media as well. Fantastic. And Nicole, obviously you've been a great guest. Really thank you for sharing fantastic insights. But before we let you go, with any parting thoughts you'd like to give to our audience? I think knowing that it's more of uh, CFOs and in the finance space, I think for businesses, I know you might be sitting within the businesses, but there is a lot of untapped, fantastic yeah. female-led yeah. businesses out there. 
There are big growth markets. And for companies looking to innovate, I've talked about this on a panel recently and in some conversations, is that often it's looking into smaller companies and seeing what they're doing, looking for opportunities. I think there's huge growth in female entrepreneurship coming ahead of us and looking at where they're driving their product development, the way that they're selling. Selling to female consumers, there's a whole art around that. We had a masterclass with an expert from Singapore on that recently, sharing with all our members, okay, how do you market to female consumers? And I do think that there's a lot of untapped opportunities. So depending where you sit within your business, you might be talking to the people in innovation or looking at strategy or brainstorming ideas. And I think tap into female-led entrepreneur communities. You could find some really interesting panels, events, and companies that will be up and coming. I love that advice. And you just reminded me, Again, a something I remember taking an excursion of other finance leaders, a, a smaller business. We were multinational. I took them to a smaller business to, to just ask that business questions about how they operated their markets. And you just see the light bulbs going off in the finance leaders' minds. Just, oh, my God, like this really opened up their ideas, innovation. There was a local business here. So it was good for the, the local business because they grew their network. More people knew about their brand. It could open up to new customers. And then these finance leaders learned about new ways of doing things, what the latest thinking was. And we're able to bring some of the ideas back in. And I'm just trying to think now, given that this is more virtual, Nicole, as long as people can arrange a Zoom or a Teams call or something like that, it's much more easier to do and facilitate. You're not relying on people coming down to a specific location anymore. So I think our audience really could follow up on that advice quite easily and it'd be very powerful for them. So thanks for recommending it. I would say to that, that for startups, they're always looking for partnerships. When Mm. you're a small business, the quickest way to grow is through partnerships. So there's always that ability to exchange of information, knowledge, customer base on one side. There's a lot there that could be done. That's a win-win for both sides. I love that. What a great way to end the show on a win-win. Nicole, thank you so much for coming on Strength in the Numbers today. Thank you very much for having me. It was a huge pleasure to be invited and to be here. Thank you. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers. 